0: real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Soa. We're glad you're here and we're glad you're back and listening with us. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest, Todd. But before that, we have me and Oakley. I'm Paige. This is Oakley. <laughs> hey guys. We're just regulars around here. Hey you. Hey. <laughs> So Todd, tell the people a little bit about yourself, why you're on the podcast, why you showed up, why you switched sides of the camera.
1: Yeah. So usually I'm behind the camera in the podcast studio and Andy just pulled a switcheroo on me. (laughs) So we're here to talk about um, forgiveness, I think is what we're going to talk about. But I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Crossings. Uh, I've been here 16 years and for 15 of, of those years, I was in our counseling ministry so I'm a LPC LMFT, so I come out of the mental health world. What do those words mean for people so who don't know? a licensed know? marriage and family therapist and a licensed professional counselor. Um, so definitely walking through issues of forgiveness is something that we did a lot. Uh, and, and now currently I'm in a new position at Crossings, I'm a pastor of digital discipleship, and we're working on a new ishi- initiative to launch kind of Crossing's own Netflix-style website. That we'll Woo-hoo. have a lot of content that people can consume and learn. And so we're super excited about that. It's yeah. coming soon.
0: Netflix, but for good. That's right. It'll be great.
1: <laughs> good flicks.
0: Todd, what do you— Good flicks. I think there already is one of those. I don't think, I don't think we can use that.
1: Uh,
0: what do you like to do in your free time? Tell people about you as a person.
1: Free time. I'm a hobby guy, so I love hobbies. And I love being outside. So anything with water or sports— or those two combined, I love to water do. Water sports. Water sports. That's Big right. water sports guy. Yeah, so during, actually during the pandemic, I picked up two new hobbies. Uh, so one was windsurfing, oh. and the other one was sailing. So I bought an old sailboat, been learning to sail. Um, yeah, and it's a lot of fun. It's a nice, it's a nice little getaway here in the flex. state of Oklahoma. And yeah, ex- except however, <laughs> in my first couple weeks of learning to sail, uh, I got my sailboat stuck sideways on my boat trailer, which is not how it goes. <laughs> <clears throat> and then the next week, I got my sailboat stuck in a tree. True story. Now, yeah,
0: there's not even that many trees in Oklahoma That's uh, that. I know.
1: I found the one that was hanging over the water and <laughs> got the mast uh, stuck in a tree.
0: Oh well, my god! Some gosh. lessons learned. Yeah. Sure. Persevere though. Yeah, yeah. Persevere. It's got to be. There's some good like biblical lesson in there. So right. <laughs> you'll find it.
2: You'll yeah. find gotta,
1: it. Got to keep at it.
2: Todd, and you're a traveler. Yeah, like, so, he loves to travel. Yeah, you're a traveler. Where's your favorite place that you've gone that you'd go back to?
1: Love to travel. So uh, I love the mountains anywhere, and I love the ocean. So I try to get to those as much as I can. Um, probably one of the, the coolest places. So I went to a couple years ago uh, the Chilean side of Patagonia. So Torres del Paine. National like the Park. brand. <laughs> Like the brand, but way better. <laughs> Actually, I watched your face came, just like cringe when I said that a little the bit. Brand. You're,
0: you're kidding! <laughs> I know nature I know. before the brand. It's not
1: just shirts and hats. Um, <laughs> Novel. And so that was that was an amazing place. It's just huge and massive and wild and like nothing else I've experienced. So
2: you'd go back then?
1: Absolutely. Packing okay. my bags,
2: I'll see you guys there. I, gotta I don't go. think
1: there's anywhere that I've been that I wouldn't go back to. Really? Thus far,
0: yeah. I think like I have a place that, I, been that cool I'm like, I will not be going there again. Everywhere,
1: yeah, yeah. I can't think of one.
0: Okay. Optimistic traveler, Oakley. What about you? Where would you go if you had a place to go?
2: Oh, I was a hundred percent not prepared to answer. Let me think. Um, Just shooting from the hip, right? after. I know, shooting Here from the go. hip. If I could go somewhere again, um, I really enjoyed. So I lived for a really short period, um, at a women's home in Ghana, and I loved the culture. I loved the color of that area. I mean, it was just colorful and fun and loud and everyone danced and I don't know, it was beautiful and the people were wonderful. So I would definitely go back. I feel like I got the smallest taste of what life there is like and I would 100% go back there spend some time. That's cool. Mm. For me,
0: I think I lived in Croatia for eight weeks in oh, wow. college, which was super fun. And while I was there, we, t- we stayed an extra week from our eight-week internship and we took like a little road trip around there And I got to go to Slovenia, which, y'all, I had not heard of Slovenia before I lived over there, because I was like, what is a little tiny country? I don't want to go there. That's not exciting, because there's no big cities. But apparently, it's like the Colorado of Europe. So when I went, it's just like beautiful mountains and lakes, and it's not super populated. We got to stay in a yurt. It was super fun. So if I had to go back anywhere, I think that's where I would go. That's my top choice of travel. Yurts are cool. Yurts are really cool, (laughs) Round tents. Just much more appealing. (laughs) Who would have (laughs) thought? Not me. (laughs) Well, the reason that we called it Audible and the reason why Todd's here is because we're talking about forgiveness, and that is something that Todd, like you said, has kind of walked through. So we really just kind of called him back from the camera, just shooting straight from the hip. So... <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So I think before we kind of kick it off, I want to knock out some definitions. So one of them is what is forgiveness? And so what I found... Um, her definition was, forgiveness is the act of pardoning an offender. In the Bible, the Greek word translated forgiveness literally means to let go. So when a person does not demand payment for a debt.
2: Mm.
0: Anything else you guys like to add to that definition or is that?
2: No, I, th- I think that like, that's really good. Um, what I like about that is it puts the person you are forgiving in a very passive place. Like they're not demanding, like it says, demanding something of you. Uh, they're not coming to you and— asking specifically for whatever the case may be the you are just offering forgiveness because it's rooted in grace and mm-hmm. it's because we've been forgiven so that when you read that over me and just over i mean read it to the podcast I'm like man I'm I'm convicted by that just yeah. hearing that and thinking about um I've justified I think in my past not forgiving someone for multiple reasons but when I hear this and talk and hear it talk about why we should forgive what forgiveness really is. I don't know, it puts it into perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me think too, like how different that is like how we learn forgiveness as kids. So like how did you guys learn forgiveness as kids? Me personally, my mom made us sit outside until we got along and so like it was very much a okay, like I'm sorry, great. I'm sorry, great. And just kind of carried on with life. How did you guys kind of navigate that like when you were little? Cuz like every family does it different.
1: Well, I would say, well, first of all, back to the question about forgiveness and what is it. Something that comes to my mind when I think about forgiveness or talk about it, I think is a good way to describe it. It's it's making an intentional decision to no longer hold against, to no longer mm. hold something against somebody, um, which actually provides a lot of freedom for us. I think I was had much more experience being taught and learning how to apologize than to offer forgiveness when I was a kid, Mm. just because I had many more opportunities where I needed to apologize (laughs) and was supposed to apologize. But that's a good question about, obviously I grew up in church, my dad's a pastor. um, So forgiveness was certainly a core value in our family and the church that I was a part of. Um, I think I just grew up in an environment where that was the norm, where it was expected that you would work towards a place of forgiveness. That's a good question. I'm not sure where I conceptualized what that looks like and what that actually means.
2: I think in my house growing up, uh, unforgiveness was a sort of power. Mm. You know, you could hold something against someone. You could prove a point. You could uh, show that you had something to offer. You de- you deserve to seat at the table to be able to express your opinions And in the ways to do that, again, this is probably, this is, I know, not what was taught. I look back, my parents were not teaching us this, but I think in my own mind, uh, I wanted to have that power. I wanted to be able to prove something of myself. And the way I did that often would be to hold things in and not actually forgive, not actually move towards someone, always like wait until, you know, they're gonna come and talk to me about it. Like I'm gonna be the stubborn one to hold out the longest. And I've seen definitely effects of that in my adult years now and having to kind of relearn a lot of what does forgiveness actually look like and something we're going to talk about today. You know, how do you forgive when maybe the person you're forgiving or the situation that demands forgiveness isn't asking for your forgiveness? And that to me, I think is what I yielded a lot of power in before that. If they're not asking for forgiveness, if they can't see what they've done to hurt me, then... I'm going to hold it against them. And I justified not offering that mm-hmm. in the past. So things I've definitely had to relearn a lot in my adult years.
0: Well, you bring up a good point too. Like, I think a lot of times we withhold forgiveness because we think it's hurting the person and almost punishing them. But throughout is like I know in my own life, I've found I'm the only one upset when I don't offer forgiveness. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think the one of the myths there is that if I don't forgive, it keeps me in a position of power. Mm-hmm. And we tend to seek power because it feels safer. Um, than not being in a position of power. But you've, you've probably heard the phrase, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it ends up doing the opposite. It keeps us attached to the injury or the wound, or whatever it might be, um, and disallows us from working through that process of, of healing when we choose to not forgive. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I know I think for me too, like whenever in my past, like I've held on to, um, grudges or not forgiving someone, it was almost like it was a protection for me. Like if I stay mad, I can't get hurt again. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of that mentality, like if I stay mad and if I stay holding them to this offense they did, like I keep them at arm's length so they won't hurt me again. And so where does that play into kind of our role as Christians?
2: Well, it's pretty obvious. The Bible talks a lot about forgiveness, you know, of just what we're called to do, how we've been forgiven of much. So we should also forgive Matthew 18, a little after it talks about uh, resolving conflict with your brother, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And Jesus' answer is, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, so I remember being a kid growing up in church. I was like, okay, I'm going to start keeping track. When it gets like 65, I need to let them know. Yellow flag, you're getting close. <laughs> hey, you're getting really close. Probably the back off. the that I can forgive you, you know. But obviously the point is not that. The point Mm -hmm. is we're called to extend forgiveness in abundance. And so, uh, especially as Christians, when we now accept the forgiveness of Jesus that we did nothing to earn or deserve, frankly, we weren't even asking for it. It says that while we were still in the depth of our sin, Jesus came and extended love and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if we've been given that forgiveness, how much more than are we called to care for our brothers, move towards them in forgiveness and grace— and when we don't do that, how it, it hurts and, and grieves the heart of the Lord.
0: Well, and you brought up a good point too. Like Jesus came to die for us while we were still sinners. Like we weren't asking for the forgiveness when he came and offered it. And so if we're called to be like Christ and to be ambassadors of Christ, like we are called to act in that same manner. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It's really hard to walk through. Um, so kind of going off of that, how what are like some practical steps of like, okay, like how can I actually do this? How can I start the process of forgiving someone um, who doesn't ask for it? Because I think one of the myths, at least that I had growing up, was forgiveness was immediate. Like, if I decide I'm going to forgive somebody, immediately I'm going to forgive them, and it's going to be fine. And while there's an element of that too, it it is a process. And so kind of how do we get that ball rolling practically?
1: Yeah, there's, I I think it's important to, to note that one of the requirements of like our call to forgive as Christians, is, is not the other person apologizing or even owning their mistakes. Um, living in a broken world, full of broken relationships, there's going to be times where somebody has injured you or offended you or wounded you at some point in your life that may never actually come to you and apologize or seek reconciliation. The good news is that doesn't mean that we are forever stuck in that wound or that in injury because the other person hasn't moved. That's that's outside of my power anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so recognizing that my call to forgive, when, when you look at scripture, our call to forgive is based on, we've already been forgiven and that's it. We're called to forgive because we've already been forgiven. Just like we've been called to love, why? Because Christ first loved us, because God first loved us. Like that's our standard and that's the, the impetus for where we begin even this process of forgiveness the other thing that we would say when we work, pe- work with people through the process of forgiveness, it's really important to understand what you're forgiving and to be sure that you, you've taken enough time to where you can understand this is, is, this is what has happened beyond just emotionally what I feel, but this is what has occurred, and this is what I'm needing to forgive to engage that in a healthy way. And why that's important is you know for, forgiveness is deciding to commit to something. Excuse me. So (laughs) uh, let me say it again. Forgiveness is deciding to commit to something. And if you think about it in terms of uh, like what happens happens at uh, a wedding ceremony, in that moment, you're committing to live in a different type of way with that person. You're making a covenant with that person to live uh, in a committed relationship for the rest of your life. That moment in the wedding does not mean that the work is done in the marriage. And so when you think about forgiveness in terms of I'm making a commitment when I decide to forgive to live it in a certain way, it leaves room for kind of normalizing. There may be a month down the road or a year down the road where something gets triggered within you that brings up all of the negative feelings that came from that event. But then I have something to fall back on because I can say, because I have chosen to forgive this person, I no longer have to entertain these feelings or these emotions or get sucked back into Mm. um, that time or that event or whatever. And and this is why it's important, why we would actually say, I've heard the phrase before, you can never forgive too quickly. And I would disagree with that. I think you can forgive too too quickly if what's motivating your forgiveness is I just want to be done with this, or I'm hoping that choosing to forgive means I'll never have to deal with it again or a way of trying to slap a Band-Aid on the injury. And what happens is when we do that, when we forgive too quickly, we haven't given ourselves enough time to truly identify what the wound is, begin the grieving process. And, and obviously there's a scale of injuries from really extreme to very minor. But when we don't give ourselves enough time to walk through that, it sets us, sets us up later to have to continue cycling through it. So if forgiveness is a decision to commit to a certain way of living, Towards this event or this person, then I can deal with a trigger later on, but not give it power over me or let it suck back let let it suck me back into whatever that kind of toxic moment was, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. So question for you then, you know, say that you're talking with a person about forgiveness and they are prone to um, withhold because they want to prove that point. You know, they want to make something very clear to the other person. You've hurt me, and yeah. you know, there needs to be X amount of time that passes before I can even think about forgiving you. And it's kind of that vicious, almost manipulative cycle, mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, you know, they're, they're not the ones that are going to be too quick to forgive. They may withhold that. And so, how would you encourage someone to walk forward more in grace?
1: Well, I think being willing to ask the question, Am I withholding forgiveness because I feel like it is empowering me over this person, or because I feel they have a debt that they haven't paid yet? Mm. They're indebted to me because of this injury, and now this allows me a position of power. So, we would say that's actually the antithesis of the gospel and why it's so important to connect both forgiveness and love to what scripture says that we love because we've. Been first loved, we forgive because we've been first forgiven. When we didn't deserve it, that's the hard part. Is that we are the core of our faith is that we have been forgiven by somebody that didn't owe it to us, and we certainly didn't earn their forgiveness. Like that's the core of our our faith, and then we're called to walk that out. So, I think just asking the question and being willing to wrestle with the question: Am I not? being willing to forgive this person, because honestly, sometimes it just feels good to have that position of power where I can hold this against you, Um, and some of that gets into just interpersonal dynamics and how we deal with conflict or how we were brought up, Mm -hmm. uh, how our family of origin taught us to deal with conflict, there's different styles there. I think you mentioned how in your family, withholding forgiveness was kind of a power move or Mm -hmm. a strategy to Mm -hmm. get what we want. that's not what I'm describing when I'm saying sometimes we need to push pause to be sure that we're clear on what we need to forgive and then how we can engage that process. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good.
0: That's good. Well, I just kind of think back to like Colossians 3.13. It's just bear with one another and forgive with one another. If any of you has a grievance and give someone, like forgive us, the Lord forgave you. It's just kind of that idea, like you were saying, we are called as Christians like to forgive, but it's also important to know what we are forgiving mm-hmm. so we're not, I think of it as like pushing the problem to a later date almost. Mm -hmm. It's like just kind of putting an extension on it. Like you still have to do it eventually, but it's just going to get harder and harder and harder.
1: Well, we can do do this on the flip side too. Sometimes we can apologize too quick. And I would define that as we're apologizing so we don't have to deal with this issue. So -hmm. somebody that's really quick to apologize they might and, and but they actually don't mean it it's just a way of shutting down the conversation or not having to address the consequences of their decision mm-hmm. um, that comes up a lot in in relationships and in marriages where maybe they get into this pattern of yeah you're willing to say the right things but your actions aren't matching mm-hmm. what you're saying because you know when i'm seeking forgiveness when i'm asking when i'm asking somebody to forgive me i'm also committing to live differently in light of that forgiveness and if none of my behavior changes, at some point, it calls into question the motivation mm-hmm. behind
2: it. And is that not how our lives are when we give our lives to Christ, too? You know, I just, as you're talking, account, can but think, if I'm going to say yes to the forgiveness that God has freely offered, mm-hmm. then my life has to look different, too. You know, yeah. it changes me from the inside out. So mm-hmm. it, it infiltrates all areas, all relationships, both with God the Father, but then also our interpersonal relationships with mm-hmm. each other.
0: Yeah, that's good. So I guess and my question going off of that is because like, we've kind of all touched on, we've had different backgrounds in forgiveness, different natural bins in the way that we do, the way our families done, the way we were taught. How does that view of forgiveness impact the way we view the way God forgives us? And how does, like, have you seen that play out kind of with people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the deeper our understanding of God's grace that he has shown towards us it just naturally compels us to be more gracious with people that we interact with here on earth. It's, I think it's, it's almost unavoidable. Like the, the more that I understand God's love for me and what that means, the more that I have a clear picture of how he has shown me and offered forgiveness for when I fail and continue to fail, um, it's very hard to ignore that then in our interpersonal lives. Mm. In some ways it complicates it because I don't, I don't get a free pass. I can't be a jerk to you guys and hold stuff against you guys while expecting God to continue to give grace. Um, so mm-hmm. so I sort
0: of like whatever measure you used for others will be used to you from the Lord.
1: Yeah, I think about the, you know, he, he who has been forgiven much. So when we understand truly the gift of grace that God has given, it just naturally begins mm-hmm. to transform how I think about others. Right.
0: Well, and I think it's important too to understand that kind of God's forgiveness and God's grace is very different than ours. So I think for me, a lot of times I had a warped view of the way God forgave me because I had a warped view of forgiving others. It's mm. so like you were saying, like I withheld forgiveness as a power trip or I would make someone ask for it multiple times. And so I realized later like that kind of impacted the way I viewed the way the Lord forgave me. because mm. so I would think I'd have to say it over and over again or I'd have to do all these different things when really, like he says in Psalm 103, like as far as the East is from the West, like so far he's removed our transgressions from us, Mm -hmm. which kind of leads us to our next question, which is, I know God has forgiven me. I've asked for forgiveness from the Lord, but I can't seem to forgive myself. How do I move forward in that?
2: What are y'all's thoughts? We've talked a lot. And even in my community group, we're walking through the book of Ephesians. um, And in Ephesians three, you know, there's that, that prayer that Paul prays, um, And I just want to read it so I don't paraphrase it. But it's really good. Uh, And something that I'm like, in my own life, just would be helpful to pray often. But Ephesians 3, um, really starting kind of in verse 14, but I'll skip down to verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then ultimately at the ending of that, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory. So I I read that. And when we discussed it as a group, I think it was very clear for most all of us to different degrees we have a disordered view of the love of God for us. You know, I think if if I really genuinely knew much like you're saying about the idea of forgiveness, if I knew how forgiven I am, if I knew how loved I am, then how would that change the way that I view both others and also myself? Mm. um if I, I I understand to a deeper extent the love that God has given me and continues to give me would I not be very quick to offer myself grace um, and offer myself the same kind of love and forgiveness? So I just hear that cry from a person. You know, I, I know we got this question from our Instagram poll, and I just want to say to whoever that was, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been there, much like many of us probably have, yeah. the the difficulty to be able to forgive ourselves. But what I would encourage you with is um, come back to the basics of what you put your faith in in the first place, how much does the Lord love us to the, to the point that we were able to be forgiven and then able to still be loved moving forward, and then how can that impact us knowing we don't now have to earn back right standing for the Lord? We come before Him where we confess. Even uh, we have this verse here, First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Speak that over yourself. Mm-hmm. Remind yourself of that truth let that really take root in the depth of your heart so that you're able to remember, Jesus forgives me, he's perfect. Uh, So why can I not then forgive myself in that same way? I'm gonna bring it before him. I'm gonna turn from it. I don't wanna live that same kind of life, um, but know that I can walk forward in confidence, forgiven and cared for and loved.
1: So I would say, maybe to complicate things a little bit. um, (laughs) And some of this is splitting here is it's just when we think about phrases that we use or words that we use. Uh, I when, when you when I hear people say, um, I can't forgive myself or I need to forgive myself, um, I think I understand what they're meaning by that. And that's a phrase we'll use in church. But I think it's also important to note, I'm, I'm not mindful of a passage that calls us to forgive ourselves. What I am mindful of, and I'm not saying it's not in scripture, I just haven't found it or I may have forgotten. But what I am mindful of, there's multiple times where scripture calls us to receive the forgiveness that God has already offered. And why I think that's important to split hairs on that is because one approach, forgiving myself, puts the onus on my capacity and ability to manufacture and create the grace to forgive. The latter, receiving the the grace and forgiveness that God has already offered, basically me leaning into what God has already done mm-hmm. and is capable of doing that I am limited in. Mm-hmm. I find that to be freeing. And, and I, when I've worked with people that have kind of gotten stuck on, I just can't forgive myself. And I've introduced this idea of, what if you think about it this way, that you're not called to forgive yourself, you're called to receive the forgiveness that God has already offered. A lot of times there's a sigh of relief there because it takes the onus off of me and now all I have to do is lean into what God has done. Now it may not look that different in, in the process of mm-hmm. it, but it, I think it's an interesting kind of angle to think about, and it allows me to step back and say, "Okay, all my job is to confess, confess with my mouth, what, you know, what the sins I've committed or what I've been convicted of, and then receive, confess and receive, confess mm-hmm. and receive." Um, that is I think a path to both healing and freedom that's that's really powerful. So I don't know what y'all would say about that or if that's even helpful, but that's something that's helped me think about in my own life. Okay, Todd, your role is receiving what God has already done. And then through that, obviously it empowers me to be a conduit of God's grace and forgiveness to Mm -hmm. others as well.
0: I love that you brought that up because when I was kind of researching for this podcast, I found a quote that was a very, very similar perspective. It really made me pause. I hadn't like really thought it of me? it that way. Was it, it wasn't me? it was you. I found oh, it online. It's
1: weird. It's just cool. talking
0: your blog. Um, but it <laughs> says the way to deal with self-forgiveness is to humble ourselves and admit that we have no right to take the role of judge and pronounce the death sentence on ourselves. That is pride to think we can hear God's verdict of not guilty or our friend's verdict of not guilty. That is I forgive you and refuse it. We refuse it and set ourselves up as the new judge and pronounce the death sentence over ourselves. Mm-hmm. And just I remember I read that and I was like, whoa like how how prideful of me to think that i have a say in my forgiveness that god has offered that i did nothing to earn mm-hmm. like how proud of me to say that okay god like your standard's not good enough i'm holding myself to a different standard and putting more guilt on myself mm-hmm. just kind of that reminder that was a really interesting yeah it's a,
1: it's an interesting angle to think about am i choosing to not forgive something that the god of the universe has chosen to forgive mm-hmm. and if so what, am, what statement am I making inadvertently about God's judgment and mm-hmm. his wisdom and discernment? If I say, God's willing to forgive this, but I'm not, does that mean I'm wiser than God or that my standards are different even as I apply it to myself? Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I was kind of introduced to that perspective and it's like, oh man, that's really not a position I want to put myself in.
0: New. Mm-hmm. I sure don't know how to be in that position for sure. I don't want to be there. Right. So something else that we kind of have to touch on when we talk about um, forgiveness is there's two parts of it. There's confessing to the Lord, and then James five sixteen says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And so I think one of the questions that comes to my mind is if kind of you accept the Lord's forgiveness and you're like, okay, like— I'm good, and you still have kind of that nagging feeling. The question I like to ask is, okay, well, have you confessed it to your people, like to your community? And so how have you guys seen kind of confession play out in the community as far as
2: um, healing past forgiveness and kind of healing that hurt there? Hmm. You don't fight alone. You fight with people. You know, that's important. Mm-hmm.
1: I love the phrase. That makes me think of the phrase that while our faith is personal, it's never private. Mm-hmm, yeah. And when you look at how the the church grew and developed, and even when you look at like the letters of Paul, for example, what, you know a lot of what he's dealing with are relational issues within the church because the gospel is rooted in relationship with Christ and with others. And so I think that really models for us the importance of confession, or engaging in conversation at least with your community and with those that, that you trust. Um, <clears throat> Because everything that we do affects us relationally. And obviously, our greatest wounds, our greatest hurts, and our greatest joys happen both in the context of relationship. So it would make sense that the process of seeking forgiveness and apologizing would be a relational thing, too. Always. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if I'm dealing with something between me and God, uh, you know, I, I have. Mentor accountability in my life that even when I'm walking through some of those intimate moments with God, that person still knows about what's going on because I'm talking to them about it. Um, And that's really helpful because I can help guide and direct you and maybe speak to some things that I'm blind of or I'm just Mm -hmm. my blind spots I'm not seeing. So I think it's really empowering and powerful.
2: Well, and as strong as you become in your walk with Christ, there's still a lot of power that comes from inviting others into your weakest areas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and admitting, I can't do this all on my own. I need the Lord, but I also, I may need accountability. I may need you to ask me these types of questions to make sure I'm saying one thing and also doing these other things, you know, and and uh, living very openly with others. One, I've seen when I do that with myself and I let people in, uh, It's it seems like it's going to be really awkward and that they're going to think of me differently, but Almost always with community that loves Jesus and loves me, I've been met with a lot of love and a lot of care, and prayer immediately. You know, and so that's that's what we practice a lot, even in my community group. Someone will confess something, we read James five sixteen, and then we pray about it because it says right here, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, not because we have the right words to give, but because we're bringing that all all of us collectively to the foot of the cross and saying, okay, Jesus, you do with this what you will. You know, you you help this person. Uh, And then we're going to be the role that we're called to be in their lives. In addition to that, we can't do the healing, but we can do, uh, we can be support. We can be care for friends. That's good. All right. So So What's
0: So What podcast? What are some kind of practical takeaways we can give people who are trying to walk this out and work this out as it's something that kind of does not come naturally to us?
2: I think of, you know, the the questions idea. What questions can you ask yourself? Uh, and maybe it is kind of like we talked about in the beginning, questions that go back to what have you learned about forgiveness from your family, from your earliest friendships, from even now, people that you're being influenced by. What are you learning about forgiveness? Um, and and how is that impacting you both acting on forgiveness and also impacting your view of the Lord and how He forgives So, I think just doing some introspection there, even of how do you view this and how does it impact your life? Um, And then, much like scripture has talked about before, I don't have the verse in front of me, but it talks about, you know, before going to the altar of the Lord, if you have an offense with your brother, go and make that right with them. Uh, And so, taking this idea very seriously, is there someone in your life that you aren't on good terms with? In some situations, maybe you can speak into this a bit more, Todd, but it may not be incredibly appropriate to go and open that conversation up with that person. Um, But if you still have an unforgiving heart, it's going to stunt your growth and your ability to be intimate with the Lord to what He's called you into. And so go make those things right in your heart. Make those things right with people when appropriate and, of course, with the Lord. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think one of the takeaways that I would encourage is spending time in conversation asking the question, do I have an accurate understanding of what forgiveness is and what it's not? and in your community, in your groups, with your, your team here, the pastors here, um, I think it's a really important conversation because when we have a fault of view of forgiveness, we may engage it too quickly or in unhealthy ways, or we may totally avoid it. For example, sometimes people have been brought up with the definition of forgiveness means that if I choose to forgive this person for the offense, then that means it never happened, it wasn't a big deal, and I can never have any emotions about it again.
0: The forgive and forget mindset.
1: Yeah, well, and so when you think about, I'm glad you said that because the, the for, forgive and forget, when we hear the word forget, we think it never happened. It shouldn't have an impact on my life. When you look at the, how that word has been translated, a different way to, to say it, it maybe a better way to translate that passage is no longer coming to mind. It's when God forgives and forgets, it's basically saying our offenses no longer come to his mind anymore. It's not a, uh, like a conscious, tangible thing that he is doing. I'm going to no longer remember this. It's just naturally no longer coming to mind. And we've all experienced that, right? There's something we've been through that maybe it was really hard, a difficult season, uh, but we've dealt with it. And years down the road, we don't even think about it. It just doesn't come to mind, mm-hmm. and I think it's a better way of understanding what forgive and forget means. Um, and, but just having you know, having the space to ask the question, um, what does forgiveness look like in my life? Do I have a good understanding of what forgiveness is? Um, because it's so it's so central and key to our faith. Uh, it's a way of life. Um, in fact, when I was in grad school, we had a we had a course that was just on the theology of forgiveness. And it just so happened that while I was in that class, there was a, a horrific shooting that happened in this Amish community. And I remembered watching the news reports, and as they were interviewing some of these families that were impacted by it, consistently they talked about forgiveness and choosing to forgive. And of course, watching it, you're kind of like, how are they even you know, discussing that topic? And um <clears throat> But on some of the commentary of that situation, one of the things that you could see is that forgiveness was a way of life for them. It was not an abnormal thing that they had to figure out how to do. It's how they had consistently lived their life. So they were just naturally walking out what came naturally to them when a a horrific tragedy happened. Mm -hmm. They weren't pretending it didn't happen. They were all grieving intensely. But they were choosing the way of forgiveness because that's how they had lived their life. And I think that would be my prayer for those listening, my prayer for myself and us here at this church is that forgiveness is a way of life for us. It's not something that we have to uh, figure out how to do, but it's become so normal for us in an intentional, healthy way that it just kind of leaks out of us. Is that, I don't know if that's the best way to say that. <laughs> I but don't like the image. It thank exudes, right. it's, it just, it exudes, it, it, exudes, exudes, a little exudes more forgiveness uplifting. naturally. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Todd, for joining us today. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks And just kind having of me. giving us, Wisdom and your take, just kind of from where you've been at. Uh, We thank you guys for joining us too. We hope it's been helpful and just encouraging to you, and hopefully challenging as well. Um, yeah, that's all. Can I just can I just
1: note that I am choosing to forgive Andy for putting me on the spot today, (laughs) even though he did not ask for forgiveness. Yeah, just a giver. Lead by example.
0: (laughs) What a (laughs) giver! See a man living out his word. We love to see it. You're welcome, Andy. All right, thank you guys. Have a good week.